G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my privilege to continue to look with you at the book of James, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12 today. Can I encourage you to have it open in front of you so that we can read it together, think about what it means and how it applies to us. Let's uh, ask God for his help. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can look now at your word. Do please help us to understand it and to take to heart what it says, uh, that we may live lives pleasing to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. I was about 17 years old at the time. I was sitting on my bed at my mum and dad's place. I looked out my door and there, staggering along, was an injured turtle, an eastern long-necked turtle to be precise. Now, I had always liked turtles and so I decided to take in the injured turtle as a pet. It turned out, overall, to be a bad decision. I had that turtle for about 15 years and at no time was it ever a nice pet. Every time I got close to that turtle, it would bite me. At every possible opportunity, it would try to escape. It never ever showed any sign of recognising me. It never ever showed any sign of gratitude that I had rescued it or healed it or fed it, or cared for it for 15 years. You see, the thing about turtles, or at least this turtle, is that you can't tame them. You can't domesticate them. They're a wild animal. A, a, turtle, a turtle is nothing like a dog. Uh, for the last few years, our family have had a dog. I don't particularly like dogs, but, but I have to say, the dog is a much nicer pet than the turtle was. Uh, she, she comes to the door to greet me when I come home. She comes and sits on my feet, at my feet, when I'm watching TV. If I lie down on the ground, she comes and breathes her smelly breath on me. She takes every opportunity to lick me with her tongue or to stick her wet nose on me. She obviously loves me, even if it's unrequited. It's easy to keep a dog because a dog is tame. A dog is domesticated. But I tell you what, it was much harder to keep that turtle. With that turtle, I had to take all kinds of precautions I had to make constantly sure at all times that the turtle was securely locked up, uh, otherwise it would escape. I had to be very, very careful around the turtle so they didn't bite me, it used to break the skin. I, I couldn't let uh, children touch it without supervision. Uh, the, the, you could just leave the turtle to do what it wanted. That, that turtle was a wild animal. And so I had to take all kinds of precautions. I had to be very, very careful. Well, in this next section of his letter, James talks about another untamed wild thing, something, something way more dangerous than my turtle. Let's have a look together. Uh, James starts off chapter 3 with a warning. It's a warning to those who want to take on the role of teaching people about Jesus. Uh, teaching people about Jesus it, it, it's a big responsibility. You're dealing with people's eternal destiny. What you say when you teach people about Jesus 
it has the power to greatly, to eternally help people. Or your words can greatly, eternally harm people. And God takes it very seriously. He cares about his people. And so he sets high standards for those who presume to teach about him. And, and teachers who teach wrong things, or teachers who, who undermine what they say by setting a bad example, they make God angry. I mean, you only need to look at Jesus in the Gospels to see it. He's got, he's got plenty of patience for tax collectors. He's got plenty of patience for prostitutes and, and, and for sinners. Even for his disciples, he's got, he's got plenty of patience. But the teachers, the, the, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders, those people who are leading Israel astray, leading them away from Jesus, whoa, he gets, he gets really angry with them, doesn't he? Uh, they, they should know better. And they, they damage God's precious people. And so they come in for strict judgment. James chapter 3 and verse 1. Have a look with me. James chapter 3 and verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. What you say as a teacher can very easily hurt other people and, and get you into trouble. And the thing is this. It, it, it's really hard to control what you say. Or, or as James puts it, our tongues, the things we say, our tongues are, are a big problem. James goes on to say, to say four things about our tongues. Four things. First, first. Uh, James says that our tongues are actually the hardest part of our body to control. If you could control what you say, well, James says, you, you could control everything in your life. If you could get your tongue right, you could get everything right because it is the hardest thing to control. But the problem is this. We all mess up. We can't control ourselves, and especially we can't control our tongues. We keep on saying stuff we shouldn't say. So this is the first thing James says about our tongues. This is his first big point. The tongue is uncontrollable. The tongue is uncontrollable. Verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is Perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. It, it, it's impossible to always say the right thing. I'm sure you could give me a thousand examples of, of how this has happened in your own life, where you've said things that you regret, things that have caused damage, things that caused trouble. I mean, I, I constantly surprise myself on this issue. I say something and I think, what did I say that for? Why did I tell that lie? Why, 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 did I, why did I join in and speak that gossip? Why did I feel I needed to give that ignorant opinion? But I can't seem to stop myself. It, it, it slips out before I know it. In my experience, what James says here is entirely true, and I'm sure you've had exactly the same experience. Our tongues are uncontrollable. Well, that was the first thing. James goes on to say a second thing about the tongue. He says that our tongues can have a, a, a massive impact on our lives. They can set 
the whole course of our lives. They can change the whole course of our lives. And so that's the second point. The tongue is powerful. The tongue is powerful. Now, James uses, uh, uses some illustrations. He uses three illustrations. Uh, and they're illustrations, they're illustrations of a small thing that can have a big, powerful impact. So first, there's the illustration of a, a, a bit in a horse's mouth. The bit is just a tiny piece of metal. But put it in a horse's mouth and it can change the direction of the whole massive horse. Verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Second illustration makes the same point. A, a small rudder can, can change the course of a, of a massive ship. Verse 4. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and, and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Like the bit in the horse's mouth, like the rudder on the ship, the tongue is small, but James says it can make great boasts. It, it can boast of great power. It can boast of great influence. It, it, it can boast that it can change the whole course of your life. Verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. James gives a third illustration, a third illustration of a, a small thing that can have a big, powerful impact. But here the emphasis changes slightly. This, this small thing, it can have a very big, destructive impact. Like a small spark can cause a whole massively destructive bushfire still in verse 5 consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark now that's a pretty powerful illustration illustration for australians isn't it in january uh, my family went we went south down to the south coast for our holiday and we drove through uh, kilometer after kilometer after kilometer of bush that had been destroyed by fire one day we went to some native wildlife gardens. They had been totally destroyed. And, and the people there told us that 90% of the forest and 90% of the wildlife had been killed by fire in the space of just 45 minutes. A little spark can cause a lot of damage. James says the tongue is the same. It can wreck your whole life. Now, I just notice as we look at verse 6, uh, James says that the tongue is set on fire by hell. Set on fire by hell. Now maybe that means the, that the fire of the tongue comes from hell. Hell is what ignites the fire. It's been lit by hell. Uh, hell is the, in other words, it's the, it's the source of the bad stuff that we say. We're influenced by Satan and, and demons in the bad stuff that we say. And I guess, I mean, I guess that takes us, if that's what James is saying, it takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Or else, um, what James could be saying is that the tongue can land you in hell. Because of your tongue, you end up set on fire by hell. Uh, we will all stand before God on Judgment Day and we will have to give account for what we've said. Jesus himself said, he said, we will have to give account on the Day of Judgment for every careless word we've spoken. We're going to face judgment for our words and we could very easily find that we have literally talked our way into hell. Either way, the point is this. Tongue is only small, but it can cause 
enormous damage. Verse 6. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. The tongue is uncontrollable. The tongue is powerful. The third thing that James says about the tongue is, is similar to the first. He says this. He says, the tongue is untamable. It's like a wild animal. You can't domesticate it. You can't get it, you can't get it to do what you want. Verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. It is a little bit like having a wild turtle in your mouth. It's not like having a puppy dog in your mouth. You can't tame it. You can't control it. It won't do what you say. It's like having a wild animal. Of course, I think, of course, though, that the picture of a turtle is not really going to do justice to what James is saying here to you. No, no, no. It's more like, it's more like having a saltwater crocodile in your mouth. It is this monstrous, out-of-control, vicious animal. There is no way that you can tame this dangerous beast. The tongue is uncontrollable. The tongue is powerful. The tongue is untamable. The final thing James says about the tongue is this. It's unnatural. The tongue is unnatural. In, in nature, things are consistent. A spring of water will produce fresh water, if it's a freshwater spring. A, a saltwater spring will produce salt water. A, a spring doesn't produce both. That, that's not natural. A, a fruit tree, it produces one kind of fruit. A fig tree bears figs. It doesn't bear figs and olives. That's, that's not natural. A, a grapevine bears grapes. It doesn't bear grapes and figs. That's not natural. In nature, things are consistent. But our tongues, they are not consistent. With our tongue, one second we can be saying a good thing, we can be praising God, but then with that very same tongue, a second later we can be saying bad things, like, like, like cursing people. It shouldn't be like this. It's, it's unnatural. But that's how it is with the tongue. Verse 9. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Can you see what's here in this passage? James warns his readers, don't be quick to put yourself forward as a teacher about Jesus. God cares very much that teachers say the right things. And, and the thing with our tongues, the thing, the thing about what we say, well, we have all kinds of problems, all kinds of issues. For in particular, James talks about our tongues are uncontrollable, the hardest part of our bodies to control. 
that they are they are powerful they can they can change the whole course of our lives they can cause enormous damage our tongues are untamable wild and unpredictable and they are unnatural there's no there's no consistency the t- same tongue can can say good things one second and then and then bad things the next All right. Now, just before we try to apply this passage to ourselves, it's worth thinking about something. The Bible is clear that this, this problem with our tongues, it's a symptom of a deeper problem. Jesus put it very powerfully. He said this, and I've put it on your outline there. Jesus said, The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them for out of the heart come evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false testimony slander these are what defile a person can you see can you see the, the, the problem with what we say it reveals a deeper issue it reveals a profound problem with our hearts with with who we are deep down inside with who we truly are with our real self deep down inside we are sinners we are sinners who do not love god we are sinners who do not love our neighbor deep down inside in the true person that we actually are we are angry impure greedy selfish and proud that's why we can't control our tongues because our hearts they're like a volcano and they can't help spitting out evil lava through our mouths so so what do we do how how can we apply this passage to ourselves well Fundamentally, friends, what we need is a new heart, don't we? We need to be forgiven for all the wrong and untrue and stupid and hurtful and uncontrolled and damaging and unnatural things we've said in the past and all the stupid, uncontrolled, damaging, unnatural things that we will keep on saying. We need to be forgiven and we need a new heart, a heart a heart that will flow out into words of, of, of praise to God and love to people. Friends, I read this passage and I, I, I praise God for Jesus. It's only Jesus who can give us what we need. It's only Jesus who can forgive us for what we have said, for what we are saying, for what we will say. It's only Jesus who can give us new hearts. It's only Jesus who can, who can start this work in us by his spirit now transforming our hearts. It's only Jesus who will bring this work to completion when he returns so that we can spend eternity different with, with controlled, undamaging, tame, natural tongues that, t- tongues that praise God and speak upbuilding words forever. I mean... Won't that be magnificent? So here's the the first and, and the fundamental application of this passage. We need to confess the sins of our tongues to God. We need to confess how they reveal our deeply sinful hearts. And we need to beg God to forgive us. 
Ask God to forgive us and to cleanse us and give us new hearts through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Friend, have you ever done that? I hope you have. Because otherwise, friend, I need to warn you. Your tongue will destroy your life, both now and forever. We must trust Jesus. Second application. Second application is this. James tells us that not many of us should become teachers about Jesus. Now, in one sense, in one sense this is the exact opposite of, of what I would want to say to you. I mean, the church is in dire need of people who will faithfully teach about Jesus, whether that be one-to-one or teaching children or teaching youth or, or, or teaching in church or, or, or teaching families. We, we desperately need faithful Bible teachers. I mean, Jesus himself tells us that the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus himself, he asks us to pray that, that, that God will raise up laborers to go out into his harvest field. I hope that there will be numerous people who, who, are, who are raised up from our church, who, who become teachers about Jesus in all kinds of contexts. But friends, James' point still stands. God cares deeply about his people. He cares deeply about what they are taught. In the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul, he speaks to the teachers of a church and he says this. He says, he says Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. How precious is God's church to him? Bought with his own blood. Friends, it's a big responsibility. God cares deeply about his church. He cares that they, be de- that they be taught by people who teach the truth. And he cares that they be taught by people who will back it up with their lives, who will set a good example of people who will watch their life and their doctrine closely, as the Apostle Paul says. God sets a high bar. He will judge teachers strictly. And teachers spend a lot of time using their uncontrolled, damaging, untamed, unnatural tongues. I hope and pray that God will raise up many laborers from among us for his harvest field. But friends, do heed the warning, won't you? Turn to Jesus. Be careful about being a teacher. The third and final application is this. We need to recognise what we have in our tongues. We need to to treat our tongues like the untamed beasts that they are. We need to treat our tongues like the untamed beasts that they are. How would you act differently if you really believed, if you really grasped that your tongue is an untamed beast? It's not a puppy dog. It's a saltwater crocodile. What would you do differently if you realised you have a vicious saltwater crocodile there in your mouth? I think James himself gave us some good advice back in chapter 1. Jump back with me and and have a look with me. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 19. James 1 verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Sounds like 
wise advice for people living with untamed tongues, don't you reckon? I remember one time uh, at Bible College, I was, I was in a lecture. And I don't know what was wrong with me that day. I, 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 I was in a, a manic mood and I kept, I kept butting into the lecture, trying to be funny, arguing with the lecturer. I would not shut up. Well, at the end of the lecture, my, my friend Mark Powell came up to me and he said, he said, brother, I think you need to meditate on Proverbs 18.2. Okay, I went away and looked it up. And here's what it says, Proverbs 18.2. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Friends, there's a wild animal in there. We need to keep it tightly chained up, do our best to stop it from escaping and wrecking everything, wreaking havoc. What else? How else can we treat our tongues like the untamed beasts that they are? It, it seems to me that um, if we realise how untamed our tongues are, we should be very quick to say sorry to people when we mess up, when we tell a lie or gossip or, or, or malign somebody. When we realise what a wild beast we've got in our mouths, we shouldn't be too worried about trying to justify ourselves. If we say the wrong thing, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be jumping to make excuses all the time. Instead, we should be quick to admit our fault, quick to apologise. What else? Well, this, this is something we need to be praying about, don't you reckon? We should ask God to help us by his spirit so we stop with lies and gossip and abuse and malicious speech and words that tear down. So we, so, we, so we speak instead words that build people up, words of praise to God and love to people. We need to ask God to help us with our untamed tongues. Friends, I'm not going to show you the video on YouTube, but I will tell you the story of the woman in Indonesia who kept a 4.4-metre saltwater crocodile as a pet. It's a short story. The story goes like this. On the 17th of January, 2019, it ate her. I'm sorry I've said that in a flippant way. I'm sure it was no joke to the woman's poor family and to the poor woman herself. But the point is clear, isn't it? And, and, and it is deadly serious. Friends, that wild animal in your mouth, it could very easily be your ruin. It could very easily be your undoing. So be very, very careful, won't you? Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, uh, we are so sorry for the way that we use our tongues, our words. We're so sorry for our our lies and our gossip and our maligning people and tearing people down and boasting and, oh, Lord, there just seems to be no end to the damage that we can cause with our tongues. Will you please forgive us? We acknowledge, Lord, that uh, our tongues are reflective of who we really are in ourselves, in our hearts. So, Father, we, we pray that you'd please forgive us for our sinful hearts. Please 
Work in us by your spirit. Transform us so that increasingly now we, we, we control our tongues. And Lord, we long for that day when Jesus returns and we will be transformed with new hearts and, and therefore tongues that, that say what they ought to say. Lord, in the meantime, as we wait, please please do strengthen and help us by your spirit to, uh, to be very careful of these untamed tongues. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.